They were. She was getting tired of it. She was getting frustrated, kind of kind of like, this isn't what I signed up for. Warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain graphic descriptions of violent assaults, murder, and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Murder Police Podcast, The Murder of Angela Owens Wooldridge, Part 2 of 3. That next day when we arrived, you know, we all live in this town together. So they were going to bring me home. If you remember, it was very late. So there's no sense in you coming to get me. So I rode with them. And when they got in the driveway or when we pulled in, you know, she gets out to let me out of the back seat. And, and I hug her and I said, I'll talk to you in the morning because that, that was our thing. You know, we always talked in the morning. I looked in and you know, kind of bent my head down and looked in the car and I said, I thanked him for driving me. He looked at me and he said, I hope you had a good time because this will be her last girl's trip with you. And you know what? He was, he was not lying. Exactly. And, and I think it's important to wrap it up with, with something like that because people listening at first would say, well, you care about each other. You're excited about each other. Right. And I get that. And you would, you would be contacting each other a lot. That, that I can see. But again, I think what we're going to learn all the way through this is that when you start piecing things together, the puzzle gets pretty ugly. None of these things stand on their own. And I'll never forget for me when you came home and told me that he had said that, I think that's when my eyebrow went up the hardest so far. And I think even then, I think I might have said, this is really going to be a problem. Yeah, you did. You said, this is not going to work. To answer your question that you asked before I interjected with our trip, other people, her sister was very uneasy about it. I didn't talk to her youngest of her older two sons, but her oldest son I did, as you recall, he worked for me at that time. He and I talked about it at length, and he said, please try to reason with her. I know if she's going to listen to anybody, it's going to be you. And I said, I can't get through to her. I'm telling you, she's head over heels. I don't like it any more than you don't like it. He and she had a, a couple of heated conversations over it. And he told her, why don't you just date him? Let him move in if you want, but please do not get married to him. And she was upset. And she said, and she told me, because I was listening to him at, at nights and her in the day, he was, she was telling me, I can't believe he's not happy for me. As much as I've done for these kids, they should just want my happiness. And I told her, they do want your happiness, just like I want your happiness. But you have to understand, we're concerned. And he's, you're his mother. He's concerned. And he's not saying, don't date. He's just saying, slow down a little bit. And she said, this is my life, and I want to do what makes me happy for a change. And so we we all lost that battle. Yeah, and that's I still remember that going on, too. And I guess that's where people are human. And I think we're all susceptible to that in some way or fashion. A lot of times we, we talk about that from moving into what you would call advocacy mode, where logic starts to fail, and, and you don't take in information that, counters what you want so bad that's difficult on people i'll never forget one of the most 
important things and truthful things I ever heard years ago when I was a very young police officer and still a recruit is I got to ride with a a senior officer named Charlie O'Connell. And we just lost Charlie several months ago to a heart attack as a retired officer. But, you know, he told me one night, he said, Davey, you can't argue with somebody that's drunk or in love. And I've never forgotten that. And and it's been so true in so many cases. And I think that's what happens is that when, like you said, Angie just really wanted to be loved. She did. And she wanted it. And I think, you know, we all know that we're human. And when we get to that thing, that sometimes we'll create that and we'll make that environment when it's really maybe not even realistic. And then the second thing that happens is you be just become an advocate of your own desire and, and your own want. And it's hard to take things in that, that might counter and say, hey, maybe you should slow down or consider something else. With, so as this moves on, we, you know, we obviously we, we had the wedding and uh-huh. we, we did that. I mean, we, we left that afternoon. Did she start to change and did your relationship start to change with her? It did. My relationship with her didn't change. I, we still loved each other and talked, but what did change was the amount of time we talked. And it progressively got less and less and less. It got to where I would text her and she would text back or I'd call. I remember the first time I texted her to say, can you I think I called her. I was driving to work and I knew she was driving to work and she didn't answer. It went to voicemail. So I instantly texted her and said, call when you can for our drive. And it automatically did the text back that said, however it worded it, that the person you're calling has the do not disturb, do not disturb feature on their phone for safety, for no texting while they're driving. So when she got to work, she called and I said, what's wrong with your phone? And she told me that he wanted her to put that on her phone because she did not need to be texting and driving or talking and just, and she did not need to be texting and driving or talking and driving because that was a distraction. And I had a few words that I'll not say on here, but basically I was asking her, what in the heck, what are you even thinking? What do you mean? Tell me, girl, you better have put him in his place. What do you mean he's telling you not to text and drive? He's not your dad. Come on. And she's like, well, girl, he just wants it for my safety. You know, girl, I'm just telling this man, this man is crazy about me. He loves me so much. I mean, think about it, girl. How many people have ever told you to don't text and drive or don't talk and drive because they want you safe? And that's how she saw it. I saw it for what it was. He didn't want her on the phone, particularly with me, because he knew I saw this. And I think, I'm not saying it was just me. He didn't want her on the phone with nobody, I don't think, but definitely not me. Were there other things that went on with regard to things like phone behaviors and things yeah, like that? Yeah, it changed. Like I said, it just got less and less. And then, you know, I recall one day we were talking and she's like, he's pulling in, girl. I got to go. I'll talk to you later. And I knew that if he's, and at this point they're married, so I knew that if he's coming home, by the time he got off work, we weren't going to talk again. So later between us didn't always mean in 10 minutes. It might, it's probably tomorrow. And we knew what that meant, and that's okay. But it got to where we would message or we'd send funny things on Facebook Messenger or text. And then it got to where she would say, he's coming home. Don't, don't message again after this. And I thought, why is she doing that? Like, is she, I guess she didn't want him hearing the phone go off or seeing her on it. 
And then she made mention of, don't text back after this. I'm going to delete the text. And I, I was so blown away by that because we were talking about nothing really serious. Just, I mean, with us, it could be anything. It was no, not one person in particular. It might just be a, a song or this or talking about coworkers that we don't like. But I remember thinking, why is she deleting that? Sometimes we would be swapping messages or sometimes we would be swapping recipes back and forth or her telling me, click on episode 22, season four. And so when she would, so it's nothing in particular that we were saying that I thought he would get mad over or that anybody would get mad over. But when she said she's going to delete them, that really struck a chord with me because I thought, we're not talking about him or anybody. Why are we deleting that? Did he, did she ever give you an idea that he had access to her phone or to her social media accounts? Oh, or yes. They linked those and she had access to his and he likewise had access to hers, which is probably why she didn't want the messages there. But again, there weren't anything that I would have been embarrassed for him to see. But yes, they did. They had access to that. They, they created, she had always had her separate account. And he had his, and he convinced her how much money they would save by putting the plans together in his name. Um, and I think they had to end up put them in her name because the bill was going to be quite high, but that's kind of irrelevant. But he still had access to it as well as she did. So now we have a joint phone plan. Everybody's on it together like one big happy family. Joint uh, access to social media? Yes, joint access to social media. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think the texting came to his phone. I think her texting just came to her phone. But yeah, they had access to each other's social media. But that's not uncommon. Again, I know a lot of people do that. But looking back, was that, do you think that that was for good reasons or bad reasons? Well, I think it was for bad reasons because I, I remember I was so blown away by it. I could think that she would want access to his because there had been some conversation that she and I had had that kind of was unfavorable about some things in his past. So I could see her knowing her. She's going to want to keep track of that to make sure that some of these things don't get repeated. But she had not ever done anything that would warrant him needing to check up on her. But I think it was very much a quid pro quo thing. If you're going to check mine, I'm checking yours. And she said, okay, I don't care. She didn't have anything to hide. So that was not like her. She was not one to share her stuff. She's very private, very assertive, very, you don't need to meddle in my business. You let me handle my business kind of person. Gotcha. What other red flag things were you seeing in this time period? Really just the lack of communication with her. Just the morning phone calls stopped because he would call her for the morning phone calls. Or on the way home from work, they would stop because he was calling her. So he's starting to realize that that's our talk time. So he now made it his talk time. So then we had to adjust it to where we would talk when she's cooking dinner. Well, it's kind of hard to do with three young children there, but we did. But he knew that. And so sometimes we would talk and he would text her and say, have you left work? And she'd say, yes. And he'd say, then why haven't you called? So she'd say, girl, let me call him real quick, to get him off my nerves or to get him off my back. And that, then that became the norm. Then it became the morning talk times weren't the morning talk times for, for a long time or the afternoons. 
because then he called to see how her day was. You know, he had to check on her day, make sure she had a good day, tell her that he wanted her to have a good day and, you know, how his day is going or how it was or his prepping for that day. He uh, worked an evening shift and she worked standard daytime hours. Was it my imagination or did she start to pick weight back up when they got together? She did, not initially, but then she did shortly thereafter. She did. She, you know, with, with this gastric surgery, she could only eat certain things and couldn't eat large portions. It'd make her sick if she did. She had to have a lot of protein. She started gaining the weight. Now, as of, so we, we, were, we got the general membership renewed. Now, they had just gotten together when we, we had to renew it. We were, doing, we were doing our daily, nightly, rather, workouts. And he knew about this. This was right after, obviously, that he knew they, got, they were married at this point. Then she said he wanted her to work out with him. She did. So then I lost my workout partner. It wasn't an invite like, hey, come work out with us. He just wanted it to be her and him. He told her that couples need to do that stuff together. That's nothing she needs to be doing with her friend. He enjoys working out. He knows she enjoys it. So that's something that they need to do together. So they started doing that together. And then that kind of slacked off. And then up just not quite even a year ago yet, I messaged her and I said, hey, I'm going to be renewing my membership. Do you want to? And, and she said, yes, girl, yes, I've gained so much weight. I've gained, you know, not all of her weight back, but she gained a good bit of her weight back that she wasn't content. And so we agreed to meet at the gym to purchase our memberships. And we had our time picked out. And I remember she got there. It was right after she got off work. And she was very rushed. She gave her information. They looked it up. She gave her credit card. And she goes, girl, I got to go. And I said, oh, my God, I haven't even signed up yet. Are you not even going to sign up? Or are you not even going to wait for me to sign up? And she said, no, I got to go get the kids. Well, I knew it wasn't time for her to get the kids yet. She needed to get home before he realized that she wasn't yet home. I, I think he maybe had it down to a science of how long it took, or maybe he had talked to her and she should have been home in a few minutes. But she left before I even got signed up. She gave her name, her information, her credit card. She was gone with the promise of this week we're going to start working out. Now, I knew that it was going to be when he was at work. Sadly, we never worked out not once. She would make a couple of excuses. There's a dance recital. There's this, there's that. After the recital's over, girl, I swear I'll have more time. Please don't give up on me. I swear I'll have more time. The recitals got over and I just didn't bother with it anymore. I knew that it was probably making it hard for her. She didn't have a way to, to do it probably without listening to him. So I didn't hound her over it, and so we just, sadly, we never got to work out again the second time we renewed. Well, at some point, did he, because I think I remember you telling me this, that he went and bought gym equipment and put it in the garage and told her she could work out at home? Yes, and she didn't know that I knew that. I learned this after her passing, and someone told me this, uh, someone that had been in the house, and they said that the garage was converted into a gym. I'm convinced he probably maybe found out because they had joint accounts together. Maybe he saw the membership charge on the card. She, I guess, if you're going to work out, you're going to work out at home. You're not going to work out with her again. 
that really, when I found that out, that answered a question for me of why we never worked out. She Number one, she wasn't allowed. And number two, she had, she had equipment at home if she needed to work out. I think through this period that we both were recognizing that, you know, I, I think it's such a delicate balance sometimes that people confuse with. Maybe uh, they think a, a, a guy might just be misogynistic or uh, chauvinistic or, or old school and, and whatever. Or, and then the other thing, too, is, is that, you know, sometimes people just get in relationships with people that are nothing shy of just being assholes. And that doesn't mean that they're going to do bad things. But I remember through this whole process, when you would tell me these stories and we would talk about it, that it had the impression of everything that he was, in my opinion, just from my experience. Well, it categorically, he was he was it, he was doing everything he could to condition somebody for an abusive relationship. Oh, he absolutely did. And if you recall, I forgot to say this, and this was really really important. She, when they first met, begged me not to tell him what you did for a living. And at the time, you were still a commander, and she said, "Please do not tell him David is a police commander." And I said, why? And she said, girl, he hates the police. I remember telling you that, and both of us were just struck in awe that we had to hide your, your profession for a while. And he eventually found out he didn't like the police no better. But I think the other telltale sign was, you know, they got married in July. And you recall, we had the Christmas party that December. You know, one thing that she was so upset about, she took off work that Friday. Our party was going to be that night. And he was not happy that she took off work. She had gone out. We were preparing food that day. And she needed a couple of ingredients and a couple of pans from her house. And when she came back, she was so furious. And she said, I'm not letting him come to this tonight. And I said, what's going on? And he was convinced that because she needed to go out and get more Parmesan cheese, he thought that all of this money that was spent on this food that she had paid for. And she told him, I didn't pay for this. She paid for it. But if I did, it's none of your business. I make my money at work and I'll spend it how I choose. And they argued for quite a while because she left it on speaker so I could listen. He was very upset that. She, he thought she bought this food, and then we had matching Christmas shirts, she and I. And I remember her having to run back out to the store because he didn't have a shirt to match, and he didn't want just me and her to match. So if you recall, me, she, and he matched that night, which was really awkward. You said something about arguments. Were you getting an impression from her as this moved forward? Were they arguing more and more frequently or, or, or whatever? They were. She was getting tired of it. She was getting frustrated, kind of kind of like, this isn't what I signed up for. And so she would call me every time they'd have an argument. She'd call and she'd say, let me tell you what he done said last night. Oh, my God, girl, let me tell you what this man put me through this morning. And so this became more and more frequent. But then tomorrow when she and I would talk, no, girl, he's all right. He's fine, girl. You know, I whipped him right into shape. It was the honeymoon phase. I think he realized that she was getting irritated, so he backed off. And then he would be nice again, and she would buy into it. But it wasn't but a few days later, she'd call me, and she's mad about something else. So this just kept perpetuating. Did her demeanor start to change through this period? Was she 
was she the same happy person or was that was that changing? It you? changed. She was very irritated, but when she was happy, a couple of days later, she'd be happy again for a few days because now he's doing what she's told him to do or asked him to do or what he should be doing. But then it wouldn't be but a few days later and she'd call and we'd be starting all over again. So she was getting irritated. You know, she was very busy with her career and with the children and everything she did, she poured her heart and soul into for her children, running them to dance, running them to this, to that, you know, like all, all of us parents do. And then he's over there just, just adding irritation to the whole mix. Like she had this great big harmonious thing going. And then he came along. And it was harmonious for a while. But then what I started seeing was now she's getting irritated. Now she's discovering that he's a slob. He's not helping her out around the house. She's incredibly busy. He's been at home all day because he doesn't go to work till the afternoon. Why are there your dishes here from all day long? Why are your clothes still in the floor? She was very meticulous about that. And he knew this. So then not only did she have the children to tend to and dinner to prepare and homework to do and baths to give, but now she's got to clean up from his mess from all day long. So she was getting very, very tired of it, to be honest with you. Did she ever tell you that she had thought about leaving the relationship or did she communicate that she had told him that? They had sought out counseling. You know, she did tell me that they were going to a counselor because she couldn't handle, I guess, and maybe there were other things she didn't tell me that she couldn't handle, but she couldn't handle his inability to help her around the house. Just some, I'm sure, other things. So they did start going to counseling. And he was not happy about that. Well, wasn't he? Didn't you tell me one time that he accused her of picking a female counselor on purpose to side with? Yeah, he told her you've chose a female so that she'll side with you. So she said, "Okay, then let's choose a male, and you choose the male." And he said, "No, because I don't want people knowing my business. That's the problem with some of you women. You want to tell your business and your problems to other people, and that's where you're wrong." And she said, "No, that's not what this is. This is counseling, and this is what people do when they try to make problems work." So they stopped going to counseling. He, he wouldn't go anymore. He just told her he's not going. And he stopped. Well, let's move on. And this is probably the more difficult part of it, of the whole story of where this culminates into it. And again, any one of or two of the things that you've talked about, if they stood alone, they, it would be like, man, okay, that's, that's just a less than ideal relationship. But it's, it's pretty clear that in, in a whole package, what we're looking at is an extreme amount of inordinate jealousy, incredible lacks of trust, even though somebody's saying they want to get into a, a, a formal relationship with somebody and, and formalize that with marriage, and then control and isolation. And, and that's, again, that's what I kept seeing watching from my viewpoint is what started to worry me the most was the, the incredible isolation that he would do, not just with you, but with other people in the family and in the friendship range is is to not let anybody have contact. And and I, I told you more than once, and I still believe this, that of everybody, you were the last person he wanted her with because you were the closest one to her. And that is usually for somebody like him, a manipulator, the biggest threat is that somebody who knows the person the most can actually maybe get in their ear and speak reason to them. Those are the things that all turn into red flags that, Sometimes we miss, sometimes we catch. When's the last time you had contact with her? It was probably about, well, talking contact, probably three weeks to a month before he killed her. We were driving to work. You know, it was just the, 
good morning, girl. And I said, hey, how are you? You know, we hadn't talked for, I don't know how many days at that point, but you know, it had slacked off a lot. Sometimes, as you know, I'd tell you, I'd come home and I'd tell you, I haven't even talked to her in a week. I haven't talked to her in a month. She called me and she said, girl, I, I just can't. Girl, I can't with him anymore. And I said, why? What's going on? And she said, it's the same thing. And she, and she was very upset. She was she was so mad. When Angie would get so mad, she would cry. I knew when she kind of started crying, she wasn't sad. She was so upset. And she just said, it's the same thing. You know, I've left a vacuum out since Thursday, and it's still sitting there. And this was like Tuesday of the next week. And she said, I just can't do him and the kids. He's like a third kid. And I'm I'm done. I'm just done. And I remember saying to her, because they had just gotten a house the year before, she had sold her home and they got one together. And I remember saying, do you need his income to live in that home? And she said, no, I don't. And I said, then kick him out. And I said, you do not need to be putting up with that. It's clearly got you upset. It's adding more workload to what you've got with your children and life in general as it is. Stop doing it. If it's not bringing you happiness, it's time to be done. Hey, you know there's more to the story, so go download the next episode like the true crime fan that you are. The Murder Police Podcast is hosted by Wendy and David Lyons and was created to honor the lives of crime victims so their names are never forgotten. It is produced, recorded, and edited by David Lyons. The Murder Police Podcast can be found on your favorite Apple or Android podcast platform as well as at murderpolicepodcast.com, which is our website and has show notes for imagery and audio and video files related to the cases you're going to hear. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube, which has closed captions available for those that are hearing impaired. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe for more and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcast from. Subscribe to the Murder Police Podcast and set your player to automatically download new episodes so you get the new ones as soon as they drop. And please, tell your friends. Lock it down, Judy.